to the Wrestling Headlines WWE NXT Review. My name is Matt Mayer, a.k.a. Imp, and we're live here on Wrestling Headlines YouTube and later in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all your latest wrestling news. And NXT, we had two championship matches across the show. Uh, just a little set of, of the tone where the show opened up with, like, aren't, aren't champions great? Champions are awesome. These are our champions. We're, one of them, including Cammy Cross and stuff that were in the opener, but focusing on the two championship matches on the show, we kicked off with the women's championship. I say kicked off, that was the first of the two. Uh, halfway through the show, Raquel Gonzalez defending against Mercedes Martinez. Big Hoss! There's <laughs> immediate, it's like, oh, yes. <laughs> Big Hoss match. And unsurprisingly, a treat of a competition. But also, this other question, what's next for Raquel Gonzalez after... She soundly beat Mercedes Martinez. No, this is television Monday Night Raw kerfuffle setting up something else. Or, or continuing the feud, sorry. No interference to directly link it to something else. Like, all your other female wrestlers are seemingly involved in some sort of angle. Yes, you have taken belts off Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon, but someone just screams they're still with the, the stuff with the way. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not a Monday Night Raw thing where no one else has been put over. It's not that kind of scenario, but it is that scenario of, but who? Because they're currently involved in other things. That said, if somebody were to win their mini little feud that's going on, like next week, for example, if that were to happen, suddenly a spot would open up to then face Raquel Gonzalez. <laughs> Let's just say that Tony Storm does win against Zoe Stark, or Zoe Stark wins or something. There's a spot there. There's, there's an Io Shirai floating about somewhere. We've got a certain debut taking place next week with Frankie Monet. There's there's a lot of spots open, I'll say that. But after defeating Mercedes Martinez, what does Raquel Gonzalez do next? What does she do? Uh, I'll talk about the match itself as well, where I'd say there was like maybe 30 seconds, a tad of a wobble in the middle, was pointed out. I'm someone who's like, I'll address it, but that's, it's, it's wrestling. That, that stuff doesn't, it doesn't really affect me. I'm somebody who will sometimes giggle and laugh at a botch, but doesn't ruin the match for me. I can just get back into it. So yeah, had a bit of wobble. Who cares? <laughs> it's wrestling. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Uh, but otherwise, as strong of a clash as you had expected. The big hoss. <laughs> yes, hossing each other around uh, from the ring of the bell, slamming to the outside for ringside brawlings on more than one occasion. And Mercedes came close, but Gonzalez was able to power out and into the one-armed powerbomb in fan, in impressive fashion. But yes, to say, if, I'll say this was like a fantastic little b Teddy Brawl type thing. It was nothing to was like, just suddenly just shout. Like if, it, if this was on the same night as AEW, and AEW were airing a, an absolute bang of a show, this, I don't know if this would be anything to sing. <laughs> it would be like, oh my God, this is amazing type of stuff, but it was still extremely solid. <laughs> Obviously, you like your big horse wrestling. NXT's got you <laughs> with Gonzalez Martinez. And yeah, I personally really enjoyed this big host match. Again, lots of brawling around me, so plenty of people getting shoved into the barricade. And yeah, it was 
it was thoroughly entertaining. Dakota Kai there as the kind of person to swing the tide, but the act feels a lot more babyface, and I feel like this feud with Martinez has really exemplified that. It, like Gonzalez has essentially turned into a face act at this point. I'm going to say, and Mercedes Martinez, I feel like, was the person to fully push her in that direction before she faces whoever she faces at the next pay-per-view. Whoever it may be, may be. Uh, but but who would who would that be? This is because I kind of just want to exemplify that yes, there isn't a blatantly right in front of you contender for a Gonzalez, but that's not a Monday Night Raw type of thing. This guy, even the men on Raw, where yes, Bobby Lashley's champion. If Drew goes off into a separate feud with Jinder, there is nobody else but Braun <laughs> for him to face. There is nobody who has been anywhere near elevated. It's not that circumstance over here. If Raquel Gonzalez, they they could start something next week. As in, it's not like the women aren't being featured or put over strongly. They're just busy doing other things. So like, my God, that there's feuds and worlds outside outside of the champion. Yeah, it's great. That means once that feudal story ends, or even with it still continuing, which is my uh, kind of main point with AEW as well, that yeah, they can, you can you can continue it. You can do it again. <laughs> it's fine to the next thing. Just continue your story with the championship thing in there, because that's the main reason they're all there. Why would they turn that down? Like, yeah, yeah. All for it. All, all for whoever it may be. Because, again, we've got a Frankie Monet debuting next week. They could easily have her debut straight into a match. Um, also, there's the massive context <laughs> I'm realising I didn't address. Uh, in Your House is taking place in the second week of June. So it's the week, it's the week leading into my birthday. <laughs> that week of June. And uh, therefore, we've suddenly got a countdown. We've got a month. It's uh, like a month from now is NXT in your house. We're returning Todd Pettengill. <laughs> we've got a, a really strong reaction online. Like, good for him. But yeah, there's uh, there's something to aim to now. You've suddenly got like four weeks and you've blown through the Mercedes. I just assumed this would keep going till the next thing. But this was a pretty, a solid finish in the sense of, as in, it's not a watery thin finish that is like, oh, it's a bit... Oh, yeah, you're going to have to have a decider match. It's like, no, they had a brawl. And Gonzalez countered impressively into a one-armed powerbomb. <laughs> what else is there to say? What else is there to say? Uh, but yeah, it's, it was a strong match. But de like de a decisive win in a way. With Raquel Gonzalez countering in that manner and impressively winning. There was weren't any shenanigans into the win. She just countered and won. It's like, oh, okay. That then means, because like, when, when it took place in the middle of the show, I had like alarm bells ringing. It's like, mm, middle of the show, what's going to happen? They just had a match. <laughs> Nothing out there. It's like, oh, oh yeah, this is WWE, but it's, it's not the main roster. <laughs> this is still NXT, which has always shown that kind of ability to build. And this is no different. Like, I can't, I can't be forgetting that. <laughs> this is no different. Uh, but yeah, building it in your house in June. And suddenly this is like, oh, Somehow, with a month left, we've so pretty much just hit a reset. She's beaten Martinez. Now who? I'm thinking, who isn't in the circuit? Who currently isn't spinning round? And Io Shirai started like maybe a mini thing with Frankie Monet, who's debuting next week. So maybe they'll have a little thing, which could be a number one contenders type situation. And you get others floating about. Again, you've got Ember Moon, Shotzi Blackout, dropping the titles. If they're not going to stay together, is there something else, maybe? Uh, yeah, other people just... Fighting about another feuds like Zoe Stark and Tony Storm. You got Survive, they're slowly building up. There's a lot of talent <laughs> in this NXT women's division. 
and it, like, it could elevate so many into this spot with the Goldberg level who's next I generally don't know and I like that but it's, it's an, I don't know in the sense of but there are multiple choices it's not a like for example if this Sunday at WrestleMania Backlash a little plug because I'm the bug that's going to have to cover it <laughs> with, with WrestleMania Backlash and Hustle who does it with for <laughs> Uh, we're the buggers are going to have to cover this. Uh, but yeah, so with that situation, with the men's title, you've got Bobby Lashley, the champion, who they seemingly want to keep champion. You've got Drew McIntyre, who they want to keep strong. And you've got Braun Strowman. So in a little bit of a situation where Drew McIntyre goes on to have a feud with Jinder Mahal, not with the title, then the only person that Bobby Lashley could feud with is Braun Strowman. There are no other options. No one else is built up to that level. I guess aside from Randy Orton, unless so yeah, unless you have somebody else return, because take like Bray Wyatt's not been on TV, seemingly building to something. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but but the point being, there isn't that depth of talent to immediately look at and go, it could be any of you. Don't mind which one. There's a the fantastic pool to choose from. Like there is a strong pool of talent to choose from from Raw, but nobody feels like they could challenge for that title at the next pay per view. They're going to have to do a job building it. NXT with the women's division, just look at the selection. Just look at it. Just look at it. <laughs> it could be a whole number of them. I think, personally, I, I don't think I'd mind Frankie Monet, but she has to lose, though, which is uh, a bit of a uh, bit of an Eli Drake. <laughs> I've got what he's called in LA Knight, I say. <laughs> a bit of that situation where she's taught herself up and then immediately loses on a debut. It's like, oh, there's a bit of that. I guess uh, Tony Storm, maybe because she's been eyeing up the champion. Every time shot down by somebody else, if she moves past Zoe Stark, but it feels like if you get Zoe Stark over, could, but then she'd have to lose again. Because that's the main thing here: is whoever Gonzalez faces, she has to defeat. And the situation that makes me go eh, is somehow finding a way to continue her feud with Martinez. But it feels like a perfect little thing to pop up every now and again, have a banger, move on to the next thing. Uh, it feels like a perfect feud for that, rather than like like a couple months straight type of thing that you see on the main roster. It doesn't like feel like the kind of thing to stretch out, especially as Gonzalez just won. Like, as I said when talking about the Miz versus Damien Priest, the good guys won. <laughs> Where is the intrigue now? <laughs> Move on to the next thing. But NXT feels aware enough to do it. They feel aware enough to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she won. Yeah, well, we'll think of the next thing. Next thing. I don't know who it's going to be. Tell me who you think it's going to be. <laughs> this is a whole random selection. Uh, but yes, if I'm personally choosing, it's somebody that she can soundly beat. I guess you go with Tony Storm. If Tony Storm beats Zoe Stark next week, and she can use that to face Gonzalez. Unless you're having Frankie Monet, or you do a triple threat between Gonzalez, Shirai, and Monet to kind of echo the triple threat from In Your House last year. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Gonzalez is, is a nice, is a strong champion, quite literally. <laughs> so why not? Why not keep her as champion? Why not? Uh, but yeah, a strong big horse match. Really strong. And the, the next thing I want to talk about is, yes, there was another title match, which I'm going to jump about the show a little bit. It's the uh, background for tonight. I don't know if there's any way for me to point to the background without me pointing to the actual scenery behind me, but I'll go like, <laughs> see if that works. But no, it has to be uh, that way. That's it. But Isaiah Swerve Scott, the debut of that faction was such a fantastic first impression, like a really strong first impression. I came this close to making that the main subject of this show. And I was like, you know what? Actually, 
build, talk about how strong the NAC women's division is in terms of depth and everything. I kind of wanted to really address that. Uh, put a nice positive light on it. But the other thing that for me really deserves a positive light is Isaiah Swerve Scott's new faction in Hit Row. It's like, oh, yes. Yes, immediately, like, really uh, kind of playing off of uh, immediate vibe was Death Row. It's like, ah, yes, but if you purposefully, because <laughs> the name as well, Hit Row, and if you purposely kind of really play off that, I loved just the low, little touches, like one of his men uh, getting Swerve his chair to sit down and cut his promo in, like the same chair that he'd been cutting his promos in on the video packages, to then see those, see that also in the rings, like, oh, that also it gave just such a natural air of authority without like a really blatant thing. Like they just did it. It's like the guy got him his chair, sat down on it. It's like oh, just like a nice sort of way to like Swerve has got authority over these guys. It's like yes, they are yes they are a stable where they all kind of seem like they've got an importance there. Swerve's the leader, and they established that just by one of them fetching the chair and then him introducing the rest of them. It's like oh, yeah, oh, such a strong thing. And uh, just like the start of it as well, where he just says it's about to get real spooky here in NXT. Then the lights go down, because it was his music initially. They go down, and you see it across the screen. Hit row. It's their new stables music as well. And the three new faces come out who we saw last week. It's like, ah, oh, yes. Great. And he introduces us to the new faces. AJ Gray, now donned as Top Dollar. So it's Top Dollar, not Faux Latter. I will remember this. <laughs> I will remember this. Top dollar. <laughs> Not very latter as I called him. Uh, Shante and Bifab. Uh, together they produce hits. At least I, th- I, I did miss what Bifab called herself. I just remember catching the line, it's because I Bifab. I was like, did you say your name was Bifab? Because I missed it. <laughs> together they produce hits. Because they're hit row. And if you didn't know, now you know. It's such a completely different feeling stable to anything they've had before. And just the the other thing to kind of give that Death Row vibe was that the entire promo was, I don't know what you'd call it, but <laughs> every single line rhymed. And yes, talk, talking, as I was about to say talking baths, like, is that just poet, poetry, <laughs> I guess? Uh, but yeah, they, yeah, every single line rhymed, and which was just said with that same convincing aggression from every person in there. And each person just screams to have an individual personality. It like every, every I think what really helped as well was not one of them was like dressed similar. Like look, you look at Undisputed Era; they all come out with their little matching gear, the little matching underpants, <laughs> and you got their t-shirts as well. And it's like no, everybody seemed to have their own style. And when they then talked, you really felt their individual personalities coming out. It's like oh, I guess like the stable I've complimented the most for each member feeling like positively different is Los Ingobernables de Japón. Every single person has such a unique feeling identity, yet they all fit perfectly into that stable. And yes, this is week one. I'm basing all of this off of one promo, but I got that, that initial vibe I got from like when somebody would debut into the group. I got that initial vibe where every person had a wildly different persona, but they all fit. It, it was all perfect. <laughs> just yes, everybody had their individual role. And again, NXT just something we've never seen on the main roster, which boggles my mind. Is a stable with a women's wrestler in it. And yet again, here's another one in NXT because the only one we've had was Sanity. 
and very quickly dropped. I guess Retribution. Just remember about Retribution. But Medium never wrestled. <laughs> she didn't wrestle. Did she, she did wrestle one match and she lost it, got shouted out, that was it? As far as I remember, did, did she wrestle more than once? Like, and whenever the guys had their fight, she was often not even there. <laughs> and the Nikki Cross Insanity Sanity were caught up and forgotten about. Point being, as in a stable with actual, like, purpose behind them, as in the the, the, the woman is going to be there consistently as part of the group. She's a core part of that group. So, just in w, like, main must WWE, that, that's just not a thing. But here in NXT, yet again, another really strong example of a mixed stable. Like, um, I refer to The Way as, like, another really strong one. It's like, yeah, it's... Done it again. <laughs> it doesn't really, it's, like, it's not that difficult. NXT showing how easy it is. It just doesn't exist on the main roster. I mean, to be fair, you have to have thought it forward and have a plan. And this uh, this screams character so much that, it, 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 again, you watch NXT. It's, like, it's so different to the main roster where you can tell it's made up there and then and they don't know where they're going with it. Cough, cough, retribution compared to this where there's so much identity, there's so much character seeping through, and it all works so well. Uh, yeah, major positive. And, of course, it elevates Swerve, just him, just the way that the rest of the stable acted around him. Again, fetching the chair. Like, Shantae, fetch it. I think it was Shantae, fetching him that chair to sit on. Like, it was just a minute show of respect, which just establishes that he is somebody. So I really, I really, really like this. I <laughs> really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what they do next week. I don't know if they're going to keep doing character stuff or we're going to get a wrestling a showing for them. Who knows? Who knows? But a really, really strong first impression. Just as soon as you, as soon as that promo ended, I'm just like, they have hit fire with this. <laughs> Absolute money written all over it. Uh, I mean, like anything can happen with the main roster. Vince doesn't like factions, so maybe this is dead. In NXT. When I say dead in NXT, what I mean is kicks ass in NXT, but it's never going to happen on the main roster. And if it does, it will get killed off quickly. Which is, that's the world I'm used to. That's the world I'd want to change, <laughs> but that's just what happens. Uh, and it sucks. It, it does suck because NXT generates so many fantastic stables and groups, and uh, I guess personalities that aren't in stables and groups that also get destroyed. Uh, but that's not the world we live in. And anything we've seen in NXT, don't count your stars <laughs> it's gonna feel that awesome on the main roster because most of the time it doesn't uh, anyway uh, moving on to the final thing to talk about before i go through the show in order which means i'm gonna have to remember all of this uh, i mean the rest of the show isn't that much to talk about there were for me individual highlights and a lot of those other highlights which i'm gonna get to after this one are pretty thin on the detail in terms of what to actually elaborate on and talk about but it was still solid it was a really solid episode of nxt so the main event was a two out of three falls for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Kushida versus Santos Escobar. And two out of three falls, you've got 20 minutes, go. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, fair to say, this was a tad of a rapid-fire main event, but with enough time that this grew into a really strong one. And uh, another thing that I really liked was MSK immediately evening the odds uh, during the break, Escobar chokeslamming Kushida off the apron into the barricade. And like, oh, during the break. But that meant when we came back, it was leading to the villain being on top for our Japanese hero to fight back up against. But he had to get completely beaten first. Like a fair bit of time grinding get down Kushida. Escobar convincingly scoring the first fall. 
before a really nice touch for the equaliser. As in, convincingly scoring the first four. He just grounded in and grounded in because he tried to fight back and he hit the phantom driver. Really convincing. Then the thing that I know is a bit of a grain on others, but personally, this is one of the better versions of this uh, kind of negative, mostly seen as a negative trait, is when you very quickly then do your second fall and you're back to, and now you're suddenly on the final one. <laughs> it's, I, I think I dislike it more in Iron Man matches because the whole point is really building up to those falls. So if you're then immediately on level playing field, then you, kind of start, you have to rebuild the drama again. <laughs> so it's, it's not really something I'd personally do. But here in a 2 out of 3 falls match, it's like Escobar's comfortable. Suddenly, out of nowhere, he's right back. It's, it's like it could be anybody's game <laughs> in a split second. But I really liked how they did it. Before, this is what I call like, this is why I thought it was a really nice touch for the equaliser. Vic Joseph. Cutting to break as Kushida suddenly swung into an arm breaker and, uh, or arm, do you call it an arm breaker? I like that name. <laughs> and Joseph called for them to like hold off from playing the adverts. Like, no, 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 something might happen here. Stay honest, stay honest, please. And yeah, they did. And something did happen with the, the man making Escobar tap to immediately take us to 2 1 two, one all. It's like, oh, such a nice touch, that. Such a nice touch. Where they were about to cut to break. He's, I mean, there's a very high chance that all of that was planned. About to cut to break, then suddenly something happens, and there's like, oh, it's... I really liked that. As in, you don't do it again. <laughs> it's the type of thing where if you do it too often, or even like at all again, it might be like a card you can only play once type of thing. But I personally, I really liked it. it. It really, for me, that made this kind of feel a little bit more important because they stopped cutting to break to show it, that sort of thing. Doesn't mean they actually did, but I, <laughs> I did. Uh, I did appreciate it. In the final third, Escobar became more, like increasingly frustrated, just very quickly in his inability to put the champion away. Uh, Kushida now the one on top, wearing his opponent down and reverse from earlier in the match. The contender countering back in, leading to a great final stretch of rapid fire back and forth. However, the hoverboard lock flipping off the top rope left Escobar in real trouble. After just surviving the ropes, uh, via the ropes, Kushida showed some great targeted aggression with a devastating suplex to the corner before a hooking that damaged arm for a bridge suplex pin win. The champion retained. And this was a really, really strong main event. Now, I've, been, I've not been somebody who's been majorly into the cruiserweight scene. I've been, my main criticism has been champion of what's division. And even at this kind of stage, it's... Yeah, but main eventing it does help with its reputation. It does help with the prestige. It's a big enough bout to main event. That really does help it. And Escobar is all about lifting up that prestige of the title. His entire, his entire build going into this rematch was that Kushida it will not be able to do for the division what I was. Because I am the prestigious champion, not him. That I'm the thing that made that title prestigious. It wasn't the other way around. And, and yeah, I really did like that. And being the main event, yeah, it all felt it. And Kushida is he's shown in previous promotions how great he is at elevating a title like this. Uh, we'll see where it goes because it's still that feeling of champion of what division after Escobar. Is there anybody for Kushida to face? I feel like that's a perfect reason to do the open challenges. Does he continue them? After this, continue doing the open challenges. Personally, what I would do. Anyway, into the show in proper order. There's a quick sip of tea. As the Ellen brand does yet another show continuing to build. 
And we had Karrion Cross versus Austin Theory. And when I say they continue to build, this is a fantastic little segment to show you what we mean. Where with an opening with Cross showcasing his might against Austin, who was already in the ring as we kicked off the show into our Royal Champions entrance. But Johnny's big brave boy <laughs> got beaten and toyed with by the champion. Uh, Gargano, with a little blinding tactic, earned Theory a wee spell of momentum, but in the end, that may have just made Cross even more targeted and angry. Uh, uh, mighty Saito party, followed by the man staring Gargano in the eye before choking Austin out for the win. And then after the match, Finn Balor appeared out of nowhere behind Carrion. The Irishman's not waiting for a rematch, and Cross wants to fight just as much. So, oh, that was easy to set up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've set up, like, two more things <laughs> in this one segment. You've not just set up Finn Balor carrying Cross. You've also set up Johnny Gargano carrying Cross in a champion versus champion situation. Or you're setting up Johnny Gargano's next thing after he loses the title to Bronson Reed next week. There, or a situation for him to lose the title after this little meeting here. There's, you've set stuff up. And the best thing for me is I don't know what's coming next. Uh, aside from Cross Balor. That's the, like, the solid thing that's established. And maybe as we go into In Your House 2021, uh, that there is uh, Balor versus Cross will be the main event of that. Yeah, they did a another <laughs> really good job with having Kerry Cross out there, and he sets up just like multiple different things <laughs> just to get me excited for what's coming next. Not forgetting one of those things spinning off was later in the night with Pete Dunne, whereas like, I just constantly still talking about going after Kerry Cross and champ and the reasons why he wouldn't. Which I quite like. You got Kyle O'Reilly as well. They're just, cause they built it up last week, they didn't forget it. And even though they weren't out there to talk to the champion, they were still addressing him. It's like, oh, it makes him feel important. And you're also continuing to, me as a viewer, to get me in. It's like, oh, there's all these different things that could happen. Yeah. NXT in 2021 continues to just get more and more solid, just better and better. <laughs> Whatever mindset shifted from last year, whatever's changed, 2021 has been so much better than 2020. And continuing to build. They're continuing to do it. Uh, anyway, great fire in the next little segment from Leon Ruff as Regal refused to clear him for competition. Because this was a continuing little thing throughout the night. And I might as well skip to Pete Dunne as it kind of linked to what I was just talking about and the Leon Ruff stuff. Where Pete Dunne came out with only Lorcan, calling himself the toughest there is. Understanding why Cross would choose Balor because of that. It's just... I understand why you would choose the other guy over me when I am so incredibly fantastic. <laughs> I, I love that kind of stance. Uh, the Birmingham man issued an open challenge when Leon Ruff jumps on in from behind. A loophole around Regal's refusals. Uh, Dunn initially smirking at the thought of beating up Ruff, but soon found himself in a much tighter competition. After a bit of that lovely, j tasty joint manipulation, of course, Ruff's uh, Whisper Cutter countered with a stiff forearm and elbows after elbows trapped in a triangle for a British victory uh, and then snapping the man's fingers after the match just for good measure. Just for good measure. But William Regal said, no, I, uh, yes, I know the medical staff have cleared you, but I will not clear you to compete. Ruff getting all uppity angry. Then he goes out and finds a way to get around that and compete anyway. The two things happen there. One, he either next week faces the consequences of William Regal, or William Regal just blatantly tells him that was why. He knew that would happen, and Ruff didn't listen to him. This is what happens when 
you're a bit dumb. <laughs> or you're all action and no think. Uh, but yeah, it really shows off the fire of Leon Ruff and maybe gives him a character weakness. And personally, when you have like a hero really that you're trying to build and get into, showing that fire is important, but also showing that they've got a characteristic weakness as well for them to maybe even overcome. You know, something to build an arc out of. <laughs> even if it's forcibly put in there, you've got something to actually, you know, address and build, become a better person. <laughs> uh, yeah, an actual arc. Amazing, insane. It doesn't mean that's where they're going with it, but there's they've set something up where they could if they wanted to. Could if they wanted to. Uh, MSK versus Breeze Anger was next. The closest to a bit of indie nonsense fun NXT have come in a while. This was full of PWG. <laughs> indie fun times. Uh, yeah. Once again, what, what was indie becomes the mainstream. Or whatever NXT is. <laughs> the wrong just below that. And yeah, Fandango hopping over everybody, only for the referee to find himself ducking under and hopping over like the wrestlers themselves. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Uh, funny enough, this was a, a fun... I'm fine with that. Again, everybody who's watched the indies, I'm used to this cycle now. Well, I've, again, being a fan since 2005, six, becoming aware of the indies about... Because you have that big learning path where you're mostly watching WWE. Then one of your wrestlers leaves. You try and find out where they've gone. And in the internet age, that was way easier. I discovered Impact. Discovered the indies. <laughs> so that's kind of how that happened. But, yeah, I've been... I guess I've been a fan long enough to see this cycle of... Like, a strong thing of, oh, whatever is happening on the indies, that's get over. That's awful because that's not what WWE is doing. Within three or four years, that's what WWE is doing. For a lot of cases. For a lot of certain styles. And for me, it's just another example. <laughs> this sort of thing was the kind of thing that was being crapped on by WWE fans as I saw in the indies. And now it's happening in a WWE product. The same cycle. And we'll see it continue. <laughs> it will not stop. It'll be the same thing. And I won't be surprised if we start to see AW ropes in those conversations like I'm assuming WCW were as well back in the day. I've not got a comparison point. I guess maybe ECW were that thing where WCW and WWE fans, I'm assuming, like, oh, that's a load of crap and old tosh, and then eventually both of those companies are doing it. <laughs> or a lot of certain things that were in ECW. Uh, yeah, it's a cycle. I've gone back to the 90s. As a case in point, it's a cycle that will continue, and the referee doing this in here is just a sign of that continuing. So whatever's big currently on the Indies, I won't be surprised if you start to see certain things come back to WWE. Uh, of course, with, with a not really active indie scene because of a pandemic, it's not as easy <laughs> to find, see what that current thing is. But this type of PWG nonsense fun, the type of thing that was marked, now it's in the company. <laughs> uh, to be fair, like it was already on TV because of AW. It's all skewed because of AW because they... Of a very, they're trying to have that very tight connection to the indie scene, and AEW Dark is like a really kind of involved way of doing that. But I, uh, with WWE, they're still on their own little island mostly. <laughs> That's always a thing. Uh, but I did see the complaints of, oh, I've had AEW this and WWE that. That's just a thing for me. Those kind of arguments I don't see anywhere apart from those bringing up the thing, the point, as in. You're essentially on your own island calling the other one, and the other side also does it. Like, these aren't really things. 
Uh, and if they are, I, I create my feed quite strongly. And I, I, maybe that's why I don't see anything. Like, if I see you on my feed, it's because I've given you a thumbs up. <laughs> anyway, uh, funny enough, MSK Zango, yeah, this is a fun tag match with its mix of high-flying and comedy. A nice little showcase for the champions in a lesser dangerous environment. Uh, transmission for the win, uh, that's what they're now calling that running-assisted blockbuster. Uh, with a show of respect after the match and a cocking calling, cocky calling out from the champions. So, yeah. Oh, one thing I forgot to match, mention earlier when talking about Gargano was he, once again, marched into William Regal's office as he tries <laughs> to convince him to not have the match against Reed, just like he has been doing for previous weeks, still trying to get out of that title defence. He failed, obviously, and then just in a hilarious little sh- looking around for what he could kind of break or snap or take or do something out of anger, just... Just the most minor thing and snaps William Regal's pencil. <laughs> it's just like, just, oh, it's made. Oh, but he's still got that Gargano. God, oh, this is the minor thing. Uh, yeah, like, so I'm a massive fan of that little thing of uh, going like, oh, yeah, I'm going to barge into his office. His office isn't at the last second going, that's oh, probably wiser if I just open it. <laughs> it's just, oh, yeah, oh, I really like that character trait he's got. But later in the show, he still had that aggression, still pissed off. So he took matters into his own hands and attacked Reed in the locker room. He was like, yeah, now I've got him. No, he made it worse. And I kind of like that. Johnny Gargano and his desperation to get out of the match just makes it worse. So now, before the main event, we got a wee little message from the Aussie, from Big Bronson Reed, who's now all angry, gone to William Regal. And Johnny Gargano's actions have now put him in deeper crap <laughs> as now their match next week has been upgraded a tad. Into a steel cage. <laughs> Just yes. Yeah, all all the yes to that. Ah, oh, yes. Really looking forward to that. Main event, surely? Surely? Continuing a really strong run of NXT shows just on a rotation. Because they've got enough titles where they're kind of seemingly rotating each week, building to a different thing. Uh, a different person with the title is main eventing each week. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. Got tag team titles last week. Got the Cruiserweight this week. You've got North American next week, and suddenly you're like, oh, we've got a cycle. Karen Cross in the main event in the week after. Doesn't have to be for the title, but you can put him there. So, oh, yeah. A big fan of NXT's current cycle. Yeah, after that is when we got our In the in Your House promo with Todd Pettengill. Oh, yes. And uh, Pete Dunne versus Leon Ruff. Then Raquel Gonzalez versus Mercedes Martinez. Isaiah Swerve Scott's amazing promo. And the last thing to talk about. Only Lorcan with Pete Dunne versus Kyle O'Reilly. And I feel like Kyle O'Reilly, in terms of cool Kyle, for me, seeing Swerve out there with his stable is like, mm, actually, those are the kind of cool people where I look at them and I go, I'm not cool enough to hang out with you, <laughs> which makes them fantastic for television. <laughs> it makes them perfect. Kyle O'Reilly feels like a character that I am being seeming... My, I, I find it difficult to read as not... As it not being ironically told is cool because I take one look at him and go, "That's not cool." <laughs> Carlito in all over me. That's not cool. <laughs> it's just like no, no, Kyle, Kyle Lito. Ah, oh, oh Kyle Lito, found found it. <laughs> Kyle Lito, that's not cool. But yeah, to be that said though, it was only Lorcan versus Kyle O'Reilly. Like that, that's all character stuff. The match wise, obviously. This is a hard-hitting pairing, if I've ever seen one. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yes, four. Your wrestler's wrestling match. A plenty of exchanges to whet your appetite as we build to Kyle versus Peter. Peter? 
<laughs> Random progress reference. Uh, the two wearing each other down until O'Reilly nailed a brainbuster. I've really simplified the match, but you know, hard hitting, awesome wearing down with Pete Dunn at ringside to just to say that that little thing is there until Calavari nailed a brainbuster and that was that for only Lorkin flying off the top with his diving knee for the win. But it's like, oh, so I was like, it's interesting that uh, only Lorkin and Pete Dunn have come out and each person's had their own match. I was like, yeah, it's a little dynamic can do on this off week. That's all right. Uh, but no, it's it's a thing I talk about on Raw where it, you watch a match and the match takes place and then the segment afterwards happens and you immediately just go, okay, that's why everybody was out there. And the match quite often would run really quickly and like, well, why is everybody out here? The match feels a bit pointless. Here, the match didn't feel pointless. Then they had the segment afterwards, which was the reason for it existing. It's just like, it's exactly what I was talking about yesterday. <laughs> In terms of, like, I was critiquing it and more whilst here, I was like, no, this is how you do it. Yeah, you made the match feel important, so I cared about Carlo Riley winning. Then what happens afterwards, it feels like an add-on rather than the only reason these uh, kind of character cardboards are out there. Uh, Pete Dunne running in for the two-on-one post-match attack and immediately just like, oh, the building to Kyle versus Pete Dunne, this is to build up animosity. Kind of, but also no. Only for Bobby Fish to return. It's like, oh, this is the final thing I'm talking about. is Bobby Fish returning in a quite lower down kind of momentum <laughs> kind of way as then he just showed up. No pomp or circumstance. He was just there. Red Dragon reunited once more. Kind of, as it's more of a case of Bobby Fish letting you know, like, I know you've got your own stuff, but I've just come out for this. It's like, I'll see you when I see you, and off he goes. Just like, let us know. He cares about Kyle enough. You're like, what side is Bobby Fish on? Seemingly, Kyle O'Reilly's side. He cares enough to help him out to make sure he doesn't get beaten down two on one, but he's not going to be there every time. They are not together in, like, essentially a tag team in, like, a Red Dragon thing, like, Fully understanding, Undisputed Era is dead. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly no longer a team, but they're still friends, so you still come out and help him whenever. It's like, oh, that's the kind of thing I praised AEW for. <laughs> it's just, I'm seeing it in NXT as well. It's like loose connections and things, just like establishing where somebody is at, but you don't have to feature them together every single week for us to remember their friends. It's like, yeah, yeah, you do this. I'll see you when I see you. We now know for the future that that's the case. And it's another little fallout from the Undisputed Era thing. Well, what about Bobby Fish? He wasn't there for any of this. And this is kind of week one. That said, very little pomp and circumstance. He comes in, hits a few shots. Even, like, another example for me is on the NXT images on the website or for, on WWE.com. Like, what are the main focus of the shots? And there aren't any of Bobby Fish's face. Not one. Which <laughs> for me is just, like, case in point that this was very low down the totem pole in terms of importance. And even I'm talking about it last because it felt that low, but it was also something I really appreciated seeing. This is a major positive, major positive. Personally, NXT are in a kind of run of building block shows, which for me feel better and better as time goes on. I have just realised I've not talked about my favourite segment. Oh, how did I forget about this? So before we go off air, we're going to talk about my favourite thing. <laughs> One of my favourite things in NXT right now that I'm absolutely loving. Cameron Grimes, <laughs> he's at an auction for a million dollar home, because he's, he's a millionaire, he's got that dollar dollar, big money Grimes, but guess who outbids him? 
<laughs> it is a, my favourite one of sketches. You know immediately where this is going. Like, you know the run of the joke. It's an SNL skit now. You know, as soon as you see Grimes and it's this thing, you know Teddy Biassi is going to do something. And at the end of the skit, Cameron grabs like, damn you, Teddy Biassi. <laughs> that's, that's how this skit ends. I love these skits so much. But <laughs> we're at that point now. And now it's just say, how many different situations can you do this in <laughs> before it stops feeling fresh? And yeah, guess who outbids him? Cameron Grimes bids eight million. He's like, it keeps going up and up. And Cameron Grimes at like, eight million is like eight million. Yeah, I got this, uh, Cameron Grimes. <laughs> then some random person who we've seen hide their face behind the paddle is uh, calls out twenty million. And Cameron Grimes, like, who's who could that that be? There's a and it's Teddy Biassi. Ha 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 ha. Just yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's it's so good. I love everything about this. Keep it going as long as you can. Um, and I, when I'm down on it, I want to try and remember me in this state talking about it now. Just like, I really like this. <laughs> I'm so into it. Uh, yeah, it, it feels great to talk about this. Like quite often when I'm, it, I I found with this new schedule, I'm kind of struggling to motivate myself to watch NXT, and. Part of that is I'm seemingly routinely just feeling down after watching Raw. Routinely. <laughs> to motive, And I'm used to having more a day's break than NXT. It's like, no, NXT the very next day. He's like, weirdly, even though I know it's good, I've been wrestling worn down <laughs> by Monday Night Raw. And I, by the time I finish this review, all smiles and bubbles. <laughs> all happy, all happy times. Uh, anyway, I need to wrap up because, again, I try and finish, the, finish these like as... Um, within time, let's say. Not overrun. AW Dynamite is on the horizon. Need to get the, the podcast version out and all of that. Anyway, uh, you can thank you for listening, for watching, for liking, subscribing, clicking the bell on the YouTube stuff on the podcast side. Thank you if you've ever posted a review for this podcast or whatever. It really does help if you do that sort of thing. Uh, one thing, keep forgetting to plug on Red Circle itself. If you do, if you're on the podcast version, you can donate via Red Circle to uh, Wrestling Headlines. Uh, to help us keep doing all this stuff. I greatly appreciate it. And what's the other thing as well? Uh, as well as something else, I'll leave it. I'll put my own stuff now. <laughs> so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. That's damn as in damn. Also, I've been streaming. I'm trying to build up my Twitch, streaming pretty regularly at the Implications with two S's. Also, there's the Wrestling Headlines stuff. So on Twitter, Wrestle Headlines. And on Facebook, Wrestling Headlines as well. And uh, there's something else. I'm taking part in a draft. There's going to be a uh, with uh, 12 other writers, and we're going to draft our roster. We're going to talk about why we're drafting our roster. It's wrestlers from the 1980s to 2000. If you want to see who I'm drafting or who everybody's drafting, you can go to my Twitter feed, and it, I reply to all of the stuff related to it. <laughs> so that's all there. Uh, yeah, I swear there's something I need to plug. <laughs> anyway, I will be live on Sunday following WrestleMania Backlash, and I check Google Trends. WrestleMania Backlash is one. That's the one people are searching. I'm going to have to remember that. I'm saying it out loud here so I remember it's WrestleMania Backlash people are searching. <laughs> I'm going to remember it. Uh, anyway, I'll be live immediately following the pay-per-view on Sunday and the card looks solid enough. It could be fun. The pay-per-views have been pretty strong in Thunderdome era. They've been pretty nice to, to cover. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Anyway... With that, I thank you for listening, liking, whatever uh, Bobby would do. <laughs> and I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.